You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Howdy, everybody. Hey, Donnie Spiker. Good afternoon, fellas. And Greg Hectus. Shoot me now. <laughs> On the show this week, we have verification that iRacing has been visiting Dale Jr.'s garage. A sim racing movie makes its theatrical premiere. What iRacing star tops 10,000 in iRating? And in hardware, we discuss the formal release of the new NVIDIA GPU. Yeah, and if you want to follow along with us with all these great stories and topics, just visit iRacersLounge.com and select show notes. And you can follow along in real time as you watch to listen to the show and see all these great stories. So let's check it out and see you there. SimCoaches offers the realistic sim racing equipment you need to win more races online. It is designed for real racers. Hydraulic construction makes them feel just like the real thing. High quality construction, 100% leak proof, and lifetime warranty are the key features with these pedals. And they look absolutely amazing. Check out SimCoaches.com and use the, co- the coupon code IRACERSLOUNGE to get 10% off your purchase. SimCoaches.com is your ticket to feel like you're actually sitting behind the wheel of a car drive harder, and stay on the limit longer. All right, stories. Let's jump into... Wow, Ty Majeski finally wins a NASCAR truck race. A long time coming. We've been talking about Ty Majeski on this show for a long time. He's always had a iRacing sponsorship in one way or another uh, coming and going. Um, and so it's great to see him finally break through. And, uh, you know, he has a 10,000 I rating on the oval. I think he was the first guy to have it. And that's what he's known for. But he's been, uh, you know, late model racing and winning a lot there. But now in NASCAR, it was great to see him break through. Yeah, it's a good win. He uh, he didn't just get into that one. He he actually he he did well in that race. Won it. Uh, he's been around for a while. I remember him being in the Xfinity series with the Roush program, driving that sixty car, not having the best of time. So it's good. I've been um, watching him for a while and hoping he'd get that that first win, and he finally got it. I think that car was jinxed, that Roush one. You know, anybody who got in it was was jinxed. But uh, I think he, he shook it this time. He won this race. He deserved it. And he's in the championship. I mean, he's going to be racing in the final four. So, uh, boy, that'd be kind of neat. You know, get your first win, and next thing you know, you're racing in the championship. Yeah, if you got some boost for not doing a burnout, but they want to save that car for Phoenix, apparently. I'm looking at the the rankings, and it looks like he's only 32 points from being the top spot. He, um, and there's only three drivers that are over 10,000 right now. All right. 
Yeah, so, uh, yeah, obviously Ty's been around in iRating for quite a while. He's he's well known as having, like, one of the top overall iRatings there, there is. He's, um, you know, one of those 10,000 uh, fellas who uh, is way up in the stratosphere as far as iRating goes. And then um, he's also well known for having the... Uh, the most basic stripped-down rig that that uh that you could possibly get, you know, uh, yeah, for for forever he's run a G27 with a with a G27 shifter and run on a um, you know 19-inch uh, laptop computer, so uh, you know he makes us us fools like me who's who's spent you know the retirement on the rig uh, seem pretty silly. <laughs> That's true. I mean, you can get it done with the the most basic of stuff. And and NASCAR Chasm pointed that out. Uh, he put on Twitter, uh, "Hey, check it out. Uh, this is uh, don't forget Ty Majeski routinely decimated you on iRacing using a folding chair and a desk. He picked up off the curb somewhere. You know, lightheartedly, I always questioned the." Um, if this was real or not, if he actually raced on something like this, I don't think I've ever seen him race on this, but it's always been known that he's the best using the least. Uh, but we did get to see Timmy Hill in the pro series a couple of years ago, racing on a, a clamp desk and a Logitech wheel with a laptop. So I guess it is possible, but I just, for somebody looking at it like that, it's just like, ah, but you know what? Anything's possible, I guess. All right. Uh, Donnie, the next one is uh, that tweet that you referenced last week. We found it. Yeah, so it was a tweet from uh, Petty's Garage uh, revealing that an 87 Pontiac, it's the 43 STP from Richard Petty, uh, getting worked on by a couple iRacing staffers. And what the pictures um, depicted are, so it's a, the 87 Pontiac, it's the, the STP car, the 43 car, with a bunch of uh, yellow strips of, of tape material of some sort, probably for scanning purposes, and then a guy holding a wand over it like he's scanning those strips and there's two gentlemen, and one of the one of the guys wearing an eye racing polo. So I think that's where it came from, and it's pretty obvious uh, what they're doing here. Um, I just don't know exactly where it's at. It, we did reference Dale's garage before, but this probably might be at the Petty Museum because you can see another Petty car in the background. So you can also see on the pieces of tape every five or six inches a little round circle, and I think that's the. Uh, you know, little uh, sensor thing. And so when it scans it, it's looking for those little dots. And that's why they spread them out all over the car. Yeah, I'm not surprised they do it this way. I'm just, um, I guess I am surprised on my from my own self because uh, stuff I've seen in person before that is used to scan uh, highly detailed uh, stuff usually isn't done in this way, but maybe maybe cars are. I'm usually, I'm, I used to see tripods and their scanning devices and their um, scanning entire areas but um yeah so this is cool this is all they have to do is just wave a wand across it and i'm sure there's obviously some computer work in the background but it well, looks what, cool looks fun what what it's doing donnie that they i think we covered a story i don't know two or three years ago mike where they said that this is one of the tools that they were reinvesting in um it makes it their job for scanning cars a lot easier where they can get inside fender wells and things like that to make the detail a little bit better um, with it more than the machine that they take outside and and scan the tracks with that do a 360 view. Um, it, it's, it's streamlined their process, I guess, of making it uh, done faster, I guess, if 
or done more efficiently. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense. What he's got in his hand, you can get in almost anywhere you need to in that car. Uh, no, it's great. It's great to see. So if you look at the replies, the first one is iRacing.com. Wow, that looks pretty cool. So they actually acknowledge the tweet. So, yeah, it looks pretty neat. This has to be one of the only cars that has, like, this really a, a distinct body style with this one, too. Like, you know it's a Pontiac, um, whereas we kind of have the Buick and the Chevy kind of look the same, I think, isn't it? And then the Ford's its own square body. This kind of, I've always, I always love the old Pontiacs with the, the slope nose. Now, do you think this picture was supposed to be uh, released? Yeah. Yeah, I think, probably. I don't think it matters. I yeah. I don't think you get in the Dale's garage without people knowing you're there and taking pictures without people knowing about it. All right. Brian, we got uh, iRacing Colors win again. Yeah, another uh, iRacer in the um, winner's circle in real life again. Um, this time it's uh, a staffer from iRacing, Tyler Hudson, who actually picked up his third win in a dirt late model series. And uh, this was at uh, Jackson Motor Speedway, and uh, which is in uh, – um, sorry, I just had it up. It's in Minnesota, or, uh, sorry, yeah. So it was at Jackson Motor Speedway, and uh, just a, his third win. Uh, he's been doing really well in these late model cars um, for for quite a while now, and uh, just just piled up his third win. So congratulations to to Tyler. Yeah, pretty neat. And those are tough cars to run at, at least in iRacing um, for me. Um, I haven't really had a lot of success with them. Yeah, they're, they're for me, extremely tough. Um, tough cars. It looks like it's Jackson, Mississippi, I'm assuming. I'm trying to read that, no. that address on the banner. But it's cool. I remember this Tyler Hudson fella from the beginning of my time on the service as a guy that would contribute a lot to the, to the forum post. That's where I picked up his name from. And then learning he was a staffer, then hearing about him driving a real car. So it's cool. It's just awesome always to see these guys branch out into whatever they can do in, in, in the real world. Yep. All right. Talking about difficult cars to drive, Greg, there's the Mercedes F1 car at Crandon. I, I sent this uh, to you, Mike, personally, or over the messenger. I kind of like the uh, idea of this. Um, uh, was it Bo Albert uh, posted on his Twitter account? Um, taking the F1 car around the dirt Crandon uh, track. And man, it kind of, kind of looks like it would be fun to do and very also like nerve wracking to try and complete the, uh, the lap. But I think you guess what he said was trying to keep the front wing on. It was the hardest thing because it, it was always Noah's heavy. It always wanted to dive down on its nose about going around, but man, did he have some good car control on it? Do we know what a good lap time around Crandon is? Is this is this comparable? I don't know, but I can tell you, it, you definitely need the damage turned off, right? The like he he seems like he has a lot of grip in the corners with that F one car with on the dirt, but it's the straightaways where he just can't do the speed because of the the jumps. 
you know, we've seen Red Bull take their car out in some um, interesting terrain. It's in, snow and, and dirt. Yeah, in real life. And that, and it handles pretty well, even if you put chains on it or what. But even when it's uh, just bahaing around dirt, it does pretty well. It's amazing what downforce will do, right? Yeah, and I like imagine, uh, yeah I, I can imagine you. he's probably got to be real careful on the throttle because, you know, it's got so much power on the rear wheels that, you know, if he's mashing the mashing the pedal, he's just going to be spinning his wheels like crazy. So I imagine he's he's doing a real good job of of uh, kind of with his throttle control on that in order to keep it from uh, spinning out on him. It's and it's kind of fun to watch. It's kind of funny to watch because the car has so much downforces. You know, when he goes over these jumps, you expect him to take off like the trucks do, but he's kind of like being pushed back down by the wings on the thing. It's, it's, it's kind of neat. Yeah. The, what you're talking about there, Brian, like the backstretch part there where he goes over the one bump, it looks like it should get airborne and it stays perfectly on the ground. Yeah. A lot of that could be uh, him doing some good throttle control, but it's a clean lap. Other than that, like you guys were mentioning his throttle control. Uh, it's actually not a terrible lap around this track in that car. So yeah, he has to be feathering that thing all the way around. It looks like he's he's getting around there pretty quick. I mean, I, I think the trucks kind of s- slide a lot more and 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 spin spin and throw throw mud a lot more than this thing did anyway. I, I bet you his time on there was very competitive, if not faster than the trucks do it. Now, is that his rubber? It would have to be his rubber. He's running on top of right because it looks like a rubbered in race. Set it rubbered in, right? Yeah, yeah. You can set it. Yeah, that's um that was set in the. Uh, when he set up the track to have a probably, probably just for that reason to keep, keep it from spinning out so bad, have a little, have the, uh, have it rubbered down some. All right. We're going to hit a couple of, uh, topics we've hit on before, but they're kind of reminders. Brian, take a walk around your favorite track. Yeah. This is from IR trackwalk.com. And what it basically is, um, you know, you can put in whatever track you want and just like take slow walks around it outside of the outside of a vehicle to really get a, to get to learn the ins and outs of it. You know, see see any kind of uh, any uh, spots you want to hit and things like that. It's it's really cool tool to really just uh, take slow walks around these tracks. You know, um, I, mean, I guarantee you, you know, real life drivers on road courses are. are walking tracks all the time just to to check it out and see where the uh you know any kind of weird uh, anomalies are in the track what they need to look out for you know you can do that in my racing as well with this uh, irtrackwalk.com yeah yeah pretty cool and you can you know click the dots as you go uh, that you see way ahead and it will take you to the next spot um you have arrows uh, to move around zoom in and out and then there's even like a vr uh option so if you're wearing VR goggles, they have a VR option uh, for the track walk. I didn't even bother checking this out. I didn't realize it was you could do it without VR. Yeah, it's a pretty neat little tool if you're into the track walks. They have a lot of different tracks in the list uh, to choose from. Um, and so, yeah, check it out. All right, I got this one. The BL's offline real-world replica rosters. Now, this is for AI. Um, so when you race an AI against a, the AI group, you want the right names and uh, paint jobs, right? So 
BL, who's known for doing this uh, for the community uh, with several different series, has now up updated the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series Next Gen uh, since AI has been released for the Next Gen car. Um, and so he says, for the 22 2022 season, I've decided to first create a full season roster that can be used for championships. I'm now working on some race-specific rosters, which I will continue to add as I complete them. Again, spent some time adding driver's names to the window banners of every single car and the correct font, and as close to correct sizing and placement as I could to add it to the immersion. And Question, so basically, you, you go here and you download from a Google Drive uh, a zip folder, and you basically unzip it and put it in uh, my documents, iRacing, AI, roster. Does he, is this the same guy that does the paints that collects all the paints for the cars as well? I don't know if it's that same person or not. Um, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if it's the same, same guy, but this guy does, uh, does this for, you know, a lot of, if you go through his, um, go through his forum page and stuff like that, you'll see he does this for all different varieties of cars uh, from uh, IMSA cars to Indy racing cars. You can get all kinds of um, uh, rosters and, and, um, and uh, with NASCAR, he's doing car he's doing race specific schemes so like you know if a car had a different paint scheme at one track that daytona than they did at uh vegas he would have that separate um that separate set of cars just for that race and then you know and it's got about like 10 of them right now 10 races that he has um cars race specific paint schemes for each one and he gives you a little help he gives you little things about how how confident Confident he is and, and how accurate it is like some of them he thinks yeah this is like dead on 100% accurate this one's a little off it might be only be 90% accurate for but um but imagine doing that you know not not just not just creating the full field of NASCAR uh, cars but doing all the variations race by race which is almost every race is something different a lot of work so I really commend this guy for all the time he's put in to do this I, yeah, I think he's adjusting the AI. Sorry, Greg. I was going to say, I think he's adjusting the AI on the different drivers to be where it should be, too. As far as, you know, the driving skill level and all that. So I just, yeah. I don't want to say I just learned about this, but when I was reading through the script earlier, I, I saw this and, and I saw the different series he has. So you can almost, with the now the AI is expanding in iRacing, we talked about it last week, but you can almost have your own on the side private console game. And I bet you there's, there's programs out there from these, these users that have created these fans that you can run your championship standings and have it all automated and have your own personalized game. It's, it's freaking awesome. And these are all done by third party people, not associated with anything, just doing it on their own. So if uh, this is something you like to do and you're willing to do it, I mean, I'm sure they have ways of taking donations because that's a lot of work. Mike, did you say there's an A that Texas... You, you put it out. Did, did, you, did you say Texas wasn't in the AI? No, it wasn't. Um, I went to use it on Tuesday to practice and I couldn't find it. Maybe it was me. I don't know. But uh, I actually... Well, I had to use the new UI, uh, UI because it was AI, right? And so, uh, yeah, I went to go practice for Texas and I couldn't find it. 
So I don't know if it was me screwing up or what. So we'll try this. Uh, I haven't tried the BL's roster thing um, since I installed it, really, because Texas wasn't there. But I'll try it, you know, this coming week. Yeah, so I really think it's point, a good way to... Sorry, I was going to say, I think it's going to be a good way for me to practice. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, and to your point, Donnie, it doesn't look like if, if iRacing doesn't support all the tracks with AI yet, you're not really going to be able to do a, a full replica season. But, um, you know, obviously with this last build, they dumped a whole bunch of AI stuff in. Maybe it won't be too long before they get the whole the whole schedule available. There's a bunch missing. I was just looking through the actual track list for the ovals. There's a bunch missing. All right. Donnie, we got a season four contest. Uh, so Moza looks like they're holding a season four 2022. So this season, an F3 contest. And they've announced... Uh, stating for them, uh, we're very excited to announce Moza Racing is now the official sponsor of the Moza Racing F3 Championship, the Fix Series, I guess. Now you can enter to win a Moza Racing R5 bundle, and all you have to do is race. So how to enter. You just place the Moza Racing logo found in the iRacing paint shop on your Delar F3 car in the primary location. Race it in at least 10 official races in Season 4, and you're automatically entered to win a Moza racing r5 bundle the more you race the greater your chance to win so so i'm so they're not asking for proof so is there a way they collect the data from iRacing and iRacing and track what sponsors you use and what location i think so yeah i mean if you go set the sponsor logo they can obviously track that you're doing that and then see how many races you run you know now you're probably you remember everybody's running trading paint, so most people aren't going to see it anyway. Yeah, true. So I'd hope if you were going to do this, you'd put Mo's on your trading paints car somehow. But um, but yeah, interesting. Have we have this, has this been done before through a sponsor? Because it sounds like it's pretty oh, cool yeah. with some good engagement. Yeah, it has. Um, and so it's nice because Moza, you know, has some pretty decent stuff and. Uh, yeah, pretty neat to be involved. It almost attempts me to go get that car because I'm still running the F2000 and still contemplating where I'm going to go next. And this this is kind of tempting. Okay, Brian, how about the sim racing tips in under five minutes? Okay, uh, yeah, this was a uh, post from Dave Cam on his uh, YouTube page. He goes over like just some five-minute quick hits on um, – uh, on some racing uh, tips to, to help you out in iRacing. Um, I did watch it. Like I watched most of his videos and um, it was, uh, it gave me some good information about, you know, um, how to gauge where you are on the track, as far as where your track limits are, you know, using, using the uh, dashboard as some, as a reference point for when, you know, you're right on the edge of the uh, track surface, stuff like that was really good, uh, good information. Something I really didn't think about. Uh, trying before uh, again it, it was it it wasn't a long video but uh, it gave you a couple good tips that really can help you out so I definitely recommend um, not just uh, this video but anything from Dave Cam is, is fun to watch I, I love watching his races and stuff he's always I like when he does his reviews at the end of the race of all the incidents and he starts describing what's going on and he uses things like naughty and stuff, words like that it's funny yeah, I mean, he was purposely rolling it over into the grass to find where on the dash does the, you know, the line line up 
visually, you know, where he's just this far from being in the grass. So, you know, it's, you know, I want to make sure I'm using all the track. I want to get right to the edge of the grass. And if I have that reference point, you know, I can look down, like you said, at the dash where the line on the road is and match it up. You know, that's, that's the limit right there. You know, that's a fantastic tip because I've, I've never done it and I'm always too scared to get to the limit. I don't hit that grass. Uh, so yeah, definitely next time I'm, I'm in a road series, I'm going to, let me use that tip to see if I can't get even closer to the edge. Yeah. I didn't even consider that until he pointed it out. It's a neat idea. Now, with uh, with VR, it might skew that a little bit because if you're moving a little bit side to side, you know, as you're going through turns and stuff, it might change your perspective on the dashboard where where that uh, line is. Um, but Dave runs triples, so he's always got that um, that steady steady point to look at. So VR, this might not, you know, you might have to be get used to your, being your head in a certain spot when you go around a corn corner or something like that, or even on a straight away to find out where where that line is all right next up dylan duvall at stewart house stewart house i can't say it stewart haas racing uh esports driver dylan duvall he was given the red carpet treatment at stewart haas racing over the weekend at bristol and he did tweet uh, about his experience and put up some photos uh, he said, what an incredible weekend. Can't thank everyone enough for the opportunity. Got to do things as a race fan I never thought I'd experience. Uh, unforgettable. Some great memories for myself and my dad. And uh, pretty neat. He's up from, uh, he's one of the Canadian drivers up from uh, Nova Scotia, I think. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see. It looks like, uh, is that uh, Wilson that drives the 10 car in the Coke series next to him in that bottom right picture? Yeah, so the the bottom pictures show some of the other Coke drivers that obviously made it out to the Bristol race, and uh, they were able to meet up. I see in uh, the lower left picture, Graham Bolin on the right side. See on the far right? Yeah, far right. Okay, yeah, that's awesome, uh, especially going to Bristol. Um, that's um, obviously a destination place for most of us to get to, but uh, yeah, this is awesome to see. The real life teams taking care of their esports drivers. Yeah, it's so and, cool that know, they get to walk the track, walk the walk the pit lanes and stuff like that, and and uh, go to the uh, haulers and all that that stuff. Really cool. What logo yeah, is that the on the passes. center? Of, sorry, Mike. What logo is that on the center of Duval's shirt? He's got the gear wrench uh, outfit. No, the one that has the big S in the middle of it, the big black circle. I think he's wearing two different uh, shirts. So if you look at the bottom right picture. Well, you got Chase Briscoe uh, in the middle. And I believe on, I don't know who that is on the left. That's probably Wilson. No, on the right. So right to, to the right of uh, Chase Briscoe. Looks like he's just put a different shirt on. Yeah. So it's, yeah, you're right. It's Steven Wilson and it's um, obviously Dylan Duvall. But yeah, Steven Wilson, I, you know, I think he's, my favorite for the championship. But yeah, that's him. I just realized. Yeah, pretty cool. All right, Brian, World of Outlaws, late models, round eight. Can't hear you. You got me? So, yeah, uh, yeah so the uh, World of Outlaws were uh, round eight Monday night at Weed Sports Speedway, which is in uh, upstate New York. Um, it's a pretty cool little track. It's it's kind of, it's like a D-shaped three-eighths oval. 
Now, when I say D-shaped, you're probably used to the NASCAR tracks where the, the, the curved part is in the front stretch. <clears throat> well, this one, the curved is actually on the back stretch between turns two and three. Um, th there's actually no no turn at all on the back stretch. It's just one, one long s slope. But what it does is it makes for really tight entries into turn one and really tight exits on the turn four. So it, it's an interesting little track, and it, it actually had some really good uh, racing on it. Um, but coming out in, in on top was uh, once again Evan C. Man, he is just killing it this year. That's his fourth win of the season in eight races. And of course, we know from if you've heard heard us talk about Evan, his other four finishes were all P2s. So he's finished first and second through eight races now, two to go to see if he can continue this top one or two finish. So his, his average finish on the season after eight races is 1.5, which is a uh, pretty, pretty solid there. Yeah. So, um, second place, uh, the second place in the standings was, uh, Blake Majulis. He, uh, he, once again, he didn't even, um, qualify for the feature in the heat races. He had to come through the B, B, uh, consolation race but actually wound up running all the way up to fourth place man what a what a great great run that was for him just to get some kind of points in that on that day to get through all those cars and again second week in a row zero cautions 50 50 lap race zero cautions so these guys are really putting on great race shows but evan really checked out from the field he actually won by almost five seconds so he really checked out um and and uh put everyone behind him he uh, he actually didn't win his heat race he finished he started the main feature in fifth and wound up getting up to uh, first place within the first 12 14 laps i think it was and uh, just checked out from there um it's a really good finish for evan again um again uh, as far as points go he's he's got a commanding lead um he could probably not even make the features in the next two races and probably still win this thing but Instead, he's going to be going for one of the most epic uh, seasons in any championship series I've ever seen in iRacing where, you know, you don't never finish out of the top two. So next week is uh, Monday night is Volusia Speedway. That's a Florida track. And uh, we'll be looking to see if he can continue this dominance. You know, as you say that, I, it kind of rings a bell. Gregor Hutu, back in the day, I think he had a season like this where he was first, second, second, first, you know, that kind of thing. I don't just, I don't know how correct I am, but it, it rings a bell that this may have happened in, in uh, esports before, but it is impressive. I mean, this race, he led the most laps. He had the fastest race, uh, fastest lap of the race. Uh, you know, just like you said, drove away from him. He could probably miss a race and still lead the points, you know, so well done. All right. What else is well done is the not top 10 video. Man, I really like this one. It was good. I mean, some yeah, of my favorites were, I guess, the one where they flew out over the dirt track. There, there's no uh, there's no fence or wall at this particular track. You just go over the edge and there's just a grass hill that goes down. And a couple guys hooked, and they just went over the edge and went tumbling down the grass hill. Yeah, my favorite was uh, was that multi-car uh, race at the end. And you see the flag man, not caring that every car is crashing right below him. He's got the whiteout, and then as soon as 
he needs to throw the checker. He throws the checker. Doesn't even phase him. Doesn't flinch. Um, good composure by the flagman. Yeah, Mike, um, that was uh, Lernerville Speedway, the one with no back wall where uh, you can go rolling down the hill. If you don't have that track um, and want to have some fun, that's a good one to go on because you can uh, you can just practice launching yourself over the uh, over turn, turn two and just seeing how far you can fly before you zap out back to the pit stall. So uh, it's a pretty fun track, but you'll get stuff like that a lot on that track. Even guys, even guys, just um, you know, just barely getting the right rear off of that track. Sometimes will just just go tumbling down it. But that was pretty cool. You hear the commentator on that part, and he's wee as they tumble down the hill. <laughs> so there was a forty-nine or the Lotus forty-nine. Is that right? At Monza, and the guy was leading, and he went to the to the line, and he clips the wall, and he goes flying. It ends up in pit lane, like he flies over the wall and ends up in pit lane. And and the commentator's like, he won the race and he got a pit lane penalty at the same time or something like that. I wonder what, what gets recorded first. You crossing the line or are you getting your end of the lead lap penalty for going into pit road? Well, I think you get the line. He got the line first before he went into the pit, so... There was a good one with uh, the cup cars at uh, Daytona where um, basically the whole whole field crashes and one guy sneaks through. So it's the last last lap. So there's not going to be a yellow or anything like that. So he gets through all this damage on the apron and he's going to win this thing by a mile because everybody else is wrecked behind him. And then when he comes up to make that transition from the apron to the banking, he wipes himself out and <laughs> winds up not finishing the race either with all the other cars behind him. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, and then the Nordschleife, there was a big pileup where the track blocks up and then cars are just flying in, you know, piling in, that kind of thing. Did they have the fog setting on that Nordschleife race as well? I don't know. It's a no, track spot, is, no spot or a loud race. <laughs> that track has really grown on me. Um, and I, I love racing at it now. Yeah, they had another right. one of those. Sorry, they had another one of those uh, Austin Power deals where uh, somebody gets turned sideways on a real narrow uh, pit road and completely blocks it and he can't get out. That's always a fun one to see. Yeah, and the guy he hit had to back out or go out backwards. Okay, Coke Racer. Mitchell DeYoung actually tops uh, 10K I rating in road now. And he put up on Twitter a picture of his road license. And he's got the I rating at 1,023. And so he's like, uh, hey, let's go. After four years of sitting around 9.7 to 9.9, streaming some official racing on the Porsche Twitch channel has uh, finally let us get there. It's pretty cool. Looks like they got more 10,000 members than the oval side does, but yeah, he's one of the good ones. Yeah. I really wish that they came back to the Porsche series. Those guys, <clears throat> it was really cool having them in there. And uh, man, so for Mitchell to be, you know, like one of the top Porsche drivers and, and then, uh, you know, one of the top oval stock car drivers in the sim, that's a, that's pretty solid and 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 he's awesome really good on like and the rally stuff on dirt too so he's just amazing in any discipline on iRacing maybe maybe one of the best if not the best all-around drivers on this sim so the 
Porsche Super Cup actually starts this Saturday. Um, and it'll be interesting, like you said, to see who what the lineup is. You know, I think we're not expecting uh, some of these drivers that we've seen before. Yeah, I don't remember seeing that Coanda is going to be having their big, big dogs in that series again. I don't think they were. Is that due to Grassgate? No, no, it, it was something else. I think it was a contract got, with another sim, right? Yeah, they got signed by uh, Motorsport to run R Factor, uh, Le Mans series, and they could, probably got paid well to do it. All right, Donnie, the Sim Racer premiere. All right, so that Sim Racing film we've been talking about for a while has finally premiered. The Sim Racer film premiered on September 18th at the Plaza Theater in Midtown Atlanta and will be announced for viewing by streaming networks soon. So I guess they had a a open to the public theater debut and now it'll hit some streaming uh, distributor pretty soon. We just don't know which one. Ouch. I mean, <laughs> tough to have a premiere and then you don't have any distribution set up yet. Oh, ouch. Yeah, I could have I mean, just the movie been, industry is a mess. <laughs> yeah, I could have just an independent film and they just wanted to put it in, in front of it's not a large theater they're in, but you know, maybe um cast and crew and family members of the project and then they're still working on their their streaming deal. I can't wait to watch it. I, I and I'll find it, you know. Once we hear where it is, I'd like to watch it anyway and see what it's all about. It'll be interesting. Looks like uh Looking through the pictures, I mean, it's it's a decent-sized crowd. I mean, I'm looking at the crowd itself, and they look like everyday folks. So I don't know. Maybe people did uh, travel to go see this. It looks like a nice crowd, uh, one of the pictures of the theater. You've got on their banner for their red carpet, they have, um, I see McConey set up shop. It looks like Torque Motorsports. I can't see some of the other ones, but but it got some sponsors back there. At least one of them for sure from the sim side of the space for that mcconey setup shop he gets everywhere doesn't he <laughs> all right i got the next one our events the 2022 petite lama has been announced a 10-hour endurance race annually held at road atlanta date october 7th through the 9th the four usual time slots uh let's see what else Road Atlanta, 10 hours, 30-minute warm-up, uh, 50 incidents uh, for the stop-and-go, field size 45. We got the LMP2, GTT, GTD, and GT3 cars. Ryan, do uh, any of us run this race? David might. Uh, I think David was running maybe with some of his uh, other buddies, his road buddies. But no, I don't think uh, our team usually only participates in the Daytona race, it seems like. Yeah, I didn't do it this year, but I really want to do the one that they have at Watkins Glen, that uh, six-hour race that they have there. I really want to get do that one next time it comes up. Yeah, six hours seems very doable if you're going to throw that in the middle of the year. Even 10 hours doesn't seem too bad if you have a, a couple guys in with you. There's a new set of pedals entering the market and they look promising. Sim Coaches is finally releasing a set of load cell pedals. 
They've taken their years of knowledge building pedals and created a set of load cell pedals at an affordable cost. No longer worry about not being able to fill the car under your feet or wondering where the limit is. Have confidence as you enter corners and know the car is going to stick. There's no higher quality pedals on the market. They're even offering their lifetime warranty with the pedals. Take the leap and upgrade to SimCoaches today. Go to SimCoaches.com to pre-order your set of load cell pedals and say big when you do. Use promo code iRacersLounge. You won't regret it. Podcast housekeeping. Don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find the podcast. Don't forget to mention it to your fellow drivers during the race so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Check out our Discord and our website. Uh, Apple Podcast appears to be fixed. Uh, it was two weeks that there was a four or five day delay before the podcast showed on Apple. Uh, last week, it went right up. So cross your fingers, knock on wood, I think it's fixed. We're in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network and the Sim Racing Channel on Roku TV. Brian Fantasy. All right, guys. So uh, last week was at the Bristol Motor Speedway, um, and uh, taking the top spot for the week was Iracen Mason. I like that name, Iracen Mason. Congratulations for taking the win at Bristol. Um, <clears throat> Uh, Trick Dicky Dickel was a uh, second, and O Baby forty four third place. Um, the Tafosi uh, guys had a rough one there. I didn't see anybody in the top fifteen from Tafosi. Scroll on down. Uh, that's bad. Brian, you're you're dead last almost. Yeah, I missed. I, well, first of all, I forgot. Um, I forgot it was a Saturday race until it was too late, and um, so I didn't change my picks. And then I was gone the week before, so I didn't have any picks in for that race. That was just all just terrible on my part. Yeah, Tony Gross was seventeenth. Yeah, we didn't do pretty good. No, not well at all. So uh, as far as the uh, playoff standings for the league, uh, AJL 14 is in the first is in first place for the playoffs. I race and Mason's in second mud dogs third. Um, but uh, we, at least we have somebody in the top 15, top 10, really for, uh, for the overall playoffs. And that'd be the spiker man, Donnie eighth place, 604 points. Boot, boot. Not, yeah. not yeah. too far out of the top spot. I mean, you're, a couple good weeks, you could be right there. You had a first, a uh, couple good first weeks. Last week wasn't the best, but uh, we'll see how Texas goes. I don't know. Was, uh, Bristol is a little unpredictable. Apparently, that's how it turned out. Everybody's popping tires and whatnot. So, but we'll see. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right. Hardware software is brought to you by Supreme 3D Printing. Are you looking for that next sim rig upgrade? Or maybe your man cave needs a little more style or is your wife wanting to redecorate your home? Well, we here at Supreme 3D Printing have you covered. We create and print tons of different and useful items that is sure to fit everyone's style and budget. If you don't see what you're needing, feel free to contact us. They have an Etsy store, Supreme 3D Printing. All right, Donnie, this one's for you. I picked this one out specifically for you this week and it's the advanced sim racing pro edition 
Yeah, uh, I'm not getting this one, but this one looks nice. This is probably going to be their their top rig at the at the moment. Uh, but Advanced Sim Racing is announcing the price to their ASR Pro Sim chassis with a flat face aluminum extrusion. ASR promises that this chassis will be the strongest 80/20 rig on the market. Uh, so I'll go over some of the details with it. That's different than their strongest one they have now, which is the AR6, or sorry, the ASR6. And so this will, like they're saying, the flat face extrusion. So along the side panel, um, the bottom portion of the rig, it'll be a smooth face. So you can apply vinyl wraps to it if you'd like. Um, so it doesn't really allow a lot of, can't really attach anything at that point because it's smooth facing. But it's going to be 1999 1999 in Canada and 1649 down here in the U.S. And that's about five to six hundred dollars more than the ASR ASR six that they have right now. Now that you point out the flat surfaces, I kind of like the ASR six. Uh because because you're right. I mean how would you modify this if you wanted to add stuff, you know? Yeah, I thought the exact same thing. And you get it in lime green or their infinite black. So you have to really like green to want this one. But they did say in the future, though, with this particular rig, that they'll allow different color options as it goes along. But for now, so, on launch, it'll be the green or their black. Okay, so pre-order is November 1st, shipping first quarter 2023. Yeah, so I watched um, the SRG's review of the ASR6 and saw zero movement in the rig when he was, and he was abusing, he had the, he had the ProSim H pattern on there. He had um, hydraulic pedals with it as well, and there was no flex to nothing with the NRG seat as well. But um, for this one, I mean, that's a pretty beefy front uh, DD mount that the, this thing comes with. It's it's hard to tell because you can't really zoom in, but you're right. The, the wheel mount is a different design than their current models. Um, it does look pretty beefy. Yeah, I can imagine. I don't know if the f the flat face on an engineering standpoint will eliminate the flex because it's already strong to begin with. So I don't know. I mean, maybe it makes it stronger without having the little groove, the channels on the outside maybe, but but um, heck, their six is pretty dang solid as it is. You know, looking around my rig right now at all the different things I've mounted to the outside where they have flat metal, I have a lot of stuff actually. Um, yeah, and so, so would, just trying to think where would I put all that stuff if, the, if I couldn't put it there, you know? Yeah, so even the uprights, you're right, are, are flat as well. There's no uh, mount, unless you go on the inside of the upright um, for the, the motor stand. But also, uh, so where would you, Brian, where would you hook your, your uh, motion system to this? Ooh, yeah, point. without without those uh, with those flat parts around the thing, I don't know how you would do it. Yeah, you got to have the um, the channels on the side for mounting. Um, you might be able to use the, the the rail that's at the top, but I don't know if I would trust that one single rail with as heavy as duty as those things are and as as uh, as, as strong as those units are. I don't know if I would trust that. So they do, they do say in their post, it says down the road, flat face aluminum profile will allow for unlimited customization. 
but then it follows up with the UV print and the vinyl print. So I don't know if they mean that the unlimited customization as aesthetically, you can apply a wrap to it, but um, yeah, I don't know. I agree with you guys. Well, you know, yeah, well, I'm thinking, um, I'm sorry, sorry, Ryan, I was thinking uh, corporate version, like, Hey, I'm, I, I have a business. I want six of these things. But I want to, you know, I want to put my branding on them. I want to vinyl wrap it. Yeah, that could work for the these cafes that people want to want to start bringing up potentially. You know, in a corporate environment like that, I mean, you you're not worried about oh customization, customization. Oh, I want to add this and that. You you probably have a set, you know, you know the basic equipment. You're not really getting all these the bells and whistles, you know. I like that color, that green. Yeah, actually, the green is not bad at all. <laughs> all right. And then, Brian, the Fanatec Podium Button Module Rally. First look. Yeah, so this is a product from uh, Fanatec, and it's a module that just uh, attaches to the um, to your steering wheel. Um, it's got, like, uh, three encoders and, pro and, I don't know, about uh, 10 different buttons, something like that. They're all LED backlit, and you can program the, the different colors on it. Um, it's meant to work with the Podium Hub, so uh, so you have to have that unit in order to uh, make it work right. But um, and it can be used on the different wheels. This one particular one is set up on the uh, the Rally wheel, and uh, it gives a lot of the um, it gives a lot of the feedback that uh, the Fanatec regular wheels use as far as uh you know little lcd screen at the top that gives you some uh information on it um, i'm sure the, the the buttons are all programmable and i'm assuming because it's using the podium hub there i couldn't find how it connects to the hub but um there there should be a wire coming off the back of this thing that can plug right into the the podium hub and that's how um I have my Podium Hub, you know, and I use the uh, buttons from the Universal Hub on it to uh, to be able to connect uh, to get some buttons on that unit. So, um, yeah, so it's pretty not a bad looking uh, set of buttons, and you know, it's customizable. You can use it on different rims and stuff. It's a it's an interesting looking product. Yeah, it actually solves a problem some people would have if they want to run their own wheel on top of a Podium Hub but they don't have options for buttons. And then this is going to, because what they sell the button packs, the little three button pack options that you plug into the hub. So it looks like you could take those off, uh, utilize this um, button pack on top of your wheel. And then that will obviously, like you said, plug into the podium somehow. So, yeah, yeah. I think, I think you're right, Donnie. It's pretty much how I think it's going to work there. And which means it can work with other brands of wheels too, other than, you know, with the podium hub, it's just got the different bolt patterns. You can, you can use other brands of wheels on it. I have um, an MPI wheel that I have attached to a podium hub and uh, yeah, I could probably make this thing work, but I already used the, um, the uh, three button clusters, like, uh, like you were talking about Donnie with the, um, with the, uh, that came off the universal hub for my buttons. But yeah, this this would be another alternative to something like that. You can get a little bit more functionality out of your wheel. Sorry, Mike, go ahead. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say um, when the buttons are lit up, it looks just like my wheel, the cube controls. Uh, it's literally the same kind of LED and button. It's got the same look, uh, which I thought was fascinating. And also this guy, Chris Hay, the video, 
guy, uh, he's just too happy for this whole video. I can't, I don't know what's so funny or why he's smiling so much. He's but, always uh, like that in all of his videos. Yeah. It's just a little bit odd. <laughs> I actually haven't seen him before. This is my first video I watched of his. Yeah. He, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a neat idea. You, you have to reach your hand into it. You know, be, I don't know if you're going to reach these kind of buttons with, you know, without letting go of the wheel. Maybe. I think it just solves a problem some people have um, that might need it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's not going to lure me back into the Fanatec, you know, space, but it's it's a good option. I would definitely, if I was sticking with Fanatec, I'd be buying it for my open wheel rim that I have no buttons for. Well, it's yeah, not I for think, sale I yet. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think that's probably why they're showing it on the rally wheel because the rally wheels are a little smaller. Maybe you can reach more buttons with it as opposed to one of the bigger stocker type of wheels where you know you probably couldn't reach them those buttons from from your normal hand position. Yeah, and it says here uh, down below the video, Fanatec was kind enough to lend me a pre-production prototype of this button module. So more to come on that one. All right, uh, follow-up from previous week. Uh, look, the previous week we talked about a wooden steering wheel that a guy made on a lathe. Um, we did receive a message after the episode aired from listener Cam Porter. He said, it's nice that you guys liked my steering wheel, but hey, you didn't even mention my name or the name of my YouTube channel. And so we're doing that today. Cam Porter, uh, wow, you had a great-looking wheel there. Um, you can check out that wheel and other great woodworking projects at his YouTube channel called Amy's Garage. Yeah, when I saw that message, I thought, man, we don't usually make that mistake quite often. I, I, I'm sure we cite all of our, most of our sources, but, you know, good on him for um, making us aware, you know, going forward. Obviously, we don't make that uh, mistake again. But yeah, um, but I don't know if you got a chance to go to his, his channel, Mike, but uh, he does, it's not a sim racing woodworking channel. It's just a bunch of different woodworking in it. It's a good channel, clean channel and um, clean by as in it looks good. Uh, the production value looks good and a lot of his projects are pretty awesome. Yeah, well done. Looks good. Okay, Brian, uh, how about Ethereum mining is a thing of the past. Yeah, uh, this came out of the iRacing forums, um, and it, it, there was a post saying that, you know, with Ethereum mining being a thing of the past, will GPU prices start to drop? You know, the theory being that, you know, people were gobbling up these GPUs at a, at a fanatic rate because they want to get these uh, computers built in order to uh, mine for these uh, Ethereum and, and, and other types of crypto stuff. So, um if, if Ethereum's off of the market for for being one of these uh, contenders for GPU, GPUs and um, mining, is that going to affect the price? Well, um, I would think it would probably have a little bit of a price, especially when like it always seems to happen when the new new boards roll out and they have all the uh, and they just disappear like instantaneously. Like we'll be talking a little bit later about the new uh, NVIDIA series of graphics cards. You know, you know, there'll be a countdown basically when these things are released on the market and they'll disappear before you even get a chance to refresh your page. Uh, and um, I know there have been some problems with bots and stuff like that, buying them all up and um 
but are, are these are these uh, people who are doing crypto mining that are that are uh, putting these uh, orders in and and gobbling up these cards and increasing the demand and and raising the price? That's that's kind of the question that uh, this uh, post kind of asks. It's a good question because you would think all the bots and all that you know stuff was for the crypto. So if now that that's over, you know maybe it, it won't be a problem. Yeah, we've been seeing a drop in prices for GPUs for at least two or three months now. Uh, I'm not a tech guy in any way. Um, man, lost my thought there. But yeah, we've been seeing the drop, the prices drop um, recently, actually. But with the new cards coming out, like you said, uh, prices are going to come down anyway. Well, we had a story a couple couple of weeks back saying that GPU prices were going to come down because. NVIDIA just had too many cards now. You know, maybe they overproduced for um, some of the um, shortages in production during the the uh, pandemic and whatnot, and uh, maybe they overproduced. Now they have a, a surplus of cards, and the, and the prices might have been coming down to that, not to mention the release of the new series cards, and they want to get these uh, 3,000s uh, sold before everybody wants the new, new next-gen series. So... Um, there could be a lot of reasons why those prices have been dropping. Um, um, crypto mining, I, I just don't know enough about it to to uh, to be able to say that these guys being out of the market for GPUs is going to be that big of a uh, impact on pricing. I've regained my thought. I've heard, I thought I've heard from someone that the new cards coming out will disallow you to be able to mine for crypto. I may be completely wrong, uh, but I thought that's what I heard. So that might be something the future cards are built with. I had heard that too at some point, but now that the Ethereum has just completely done away with the need for it, that's what this story is about. But the other thing that happened this week regarding NVIDIA that I'll mention that we really don't have a story on is uh, EVGA, is that what it's called? Uh, that company has decided they're no longer going to do graphics cards. And so, as you know, when you buy a graphics card like that, you can get the Founders Edition, which you're literally buying an NVIDIA card directly from them, or you buy it from a, a different manufacturer like MSI, EVGA. I think mine was an MSI. Um, Gigabyte is another one. And so I, the, the company known as EVGA, they came out and basically said, we're no longer going to do business with NVIDIA. We don't like their business practices. Uh, apparently, you know, the, the practice of them not announcing a price for the card until the last second is, uh, is too much for them, and they're going to go a different direction. So who are they going to work with then? They're just not going to do graphics cards at all. They're they're just going to do power supplies and and motherboards and whatever else they do. Seems like a large portion of your business to just walk away from it. Yeah, I, some I the interview I said I read or heard, I think it was eighty percent of their revenue is from the video cards, and they're walking away from that. Yeah, it doesn't. They're not going to work with AMD or any other manufacturer either. Seems a bit odd. I don't know if we know the full story behind that, but uh, yeah, that happened. On the NVIDIA side, who's the big um, third-party supplier for those, like you mentioned? You know, like 
besides EVGA? Like I said, MSI, Are they Gigabyte. the biggest ones? I think so. I mean, I've seen all three of them, so I can't think if there's any more. All right. How about some opposite of SimCoach pedals? Donnie. <laughs> From China. Yeah, so Sim Racing Corner, we get him every week now. Uh, reviews the Sim Jack Mini pedals. And you can buy these on AliExpress. I didn't check the price real quick. Um, did he like these pedals, Mike? I mean, he did. Uh, they were $224. I mean, for what you're getting and what you're paying for, I mean, they're not too bad. I mean, they, he didn't have good things to say about the clutch, though. I mean, to be honest, the clutch, he, he didn't like at all. But the brake and the, you know, the other one were acceptable. Yeah, there was a time my wife bought a lot of stuff from AliExpress. Um probably early on in my action figure days. Then I was telling her you're buying bootlegs lady. Stop it. But it would take like months for this stuff to get here. So I don't know how long, but I'm now I'm looking at the price, $223 for, for these pedals. We're going to talk about some pedals a little later on and what's worth it or not. But, um, yeah, I, from AliExpress, I've been watching some videos on some sequential shifters from AliExpress lately, and I might have to have something to hold me over before, um, Lawrence comes out with theirs. But uh, their their um, little sequential shifter from AliExpress doesn't seem terrible. But these pedals, they look good. Yeah, they got some adjustment in them and whatnot. But, uh, you get what you pay for. And do they come with uh, plates, mounting pl uh, foot plates, heel plates, or anything? I don't think so. Yeah, I didn't see anything either. Now, I think you're just buying the three independent pedals, and you got to mount them to whatever you have. Yeah, I couldn't man imagine not having a heel plate. It just doesn't work too good. You know, you can find, like, this almost tempts me to want to build a Ally Express rig because that price is kind of crazy. And just see how it is. But um, Bobby, See how much it adds up. Yeah, uh, I bought that, um, or my son did, the SA, the SSH uh, sequential from, from Europe that um, Bobby Jonas has. That thing's fantastic. It's a 3D-printed body. Um, the inner workings are, are pretty, pretty awesome and tight. And I hear my son rocking it every other hour in there. And, um, I mean, yeah, you can find some, some little tiny diamonds and some weird places. Yeah. That, that, uh, that 3d printed shifter is pretty cool. All right. What else is cool is sim racing apps. What am I go to, uh, free apps I use every time I race and they got a new update out. And uh, one of the things I used in the new update was I added uh, pit lane closed or open lights, like it's red or green. And I kind of put that under where the yellow flag shows. And so now I can see if pit road is open or closed. I don't know if that helped me or not, but I thought it was pretty cool. You know, that makes sense. When you posted that picture earlier, I thought that was your pit limiter. And I'm like, well, we have a miles per hour gauge. Um, but that makes sense now because I can never tell. I have to stare at that box and make sure it's red or green. Yeah, I just thought it would be easier. That was one of the things they listed in the release notes. Uh, so I thought, oh, okay, I'll try it. And uh, yeah, I kind of liked it. How's our track map? I haven't tried track map, but he definitely indicated they made some updates to it with some of the new tracks and different things that have been added recently. That's one thing I I've yet to really put on as a, as a track map. And sometimes I wish I had one. 
Yeah, he calls it uh, Pit Road Lights is the new widget. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of stuff running with sim racing apps. I got uh, temperature, oil, and uh, water temperature gauges. I have uh, brake bias. You run these on another screen, or do you run these on your tablet? Some of these are overlays on the triples, and some of them are on the four screen above. I run the pick, uh, pick crew widget as well on, on the screen above. And that's where I get my fuel calculations and, and my uh, how many laps in a run number. Can't recommend that software enough. It's called simracingapps.com. All right, Brian, we got new pedals from Fanatec. Yeah, Fanatec uh, had a little uh, YouTube video with uh, the, uh, you know kind of announcing the release of their new CSL Elite Pedals version two. Um, so uh, they um, they've upgraded the version one pedals to these uh, new uh, version twos. They're uh, they're still load cell. Um, one of the one of the reviews on it, we got a review from uh, Boosted Media with uh, with uh, Will Ford over there at uh, Boosted Media, and uh, he was really uh, surprised with with uh, with these pedals. He thought they were, uh, and his his comments were saying that uh, for the asking price, he think they're outstanding value and a clear upgrade from the original previous uh, version. Um, so uh, the. The, um, he thought the overall performance was similar to the V3s uh, with the uh, with the tuning kick installed. So easy adjustment provided. You know, a lot of good things he said about this, um, based on uh, his review, especially based on the original f- first version of these pedals. Um, so yeah, so it looks like uh, Fanatec might have might have got a winner here with this uh, new set of pedals that they have out. Yeah, three hundred bucks. Now compare that to what we just looked at at two twenty-five. I mean, that's a night and day difference. Uh, it really is. Yeah, I have the. Well, I don't anymore. Sold them to my son, but I had the. I guess we'd call them the V ones, the Elite pedals, and uh, aesthetically they look the exact same. Uh, but the big difference in you were talking about Brian is in the brake pedal, <clears throat> and the load cell there has been uh, retooled and, and revamped. And uh, that's where Will was really going on about how much better it is. And the mounting. So to mount those CSL elites, um, I don't know who approves this stuff when it goes and hits market. It's got to hit some chain of command somewhere. And then they're like, yes, it's great. And they probably have no experience sim racing. But to mount those originals, you have to get, um, it's almost like you have to MacGyver it onto your platform. But with this, the, they've up, they've updated it now, so they have holes on top to you just unplug it, and then now you can um, wrench your tool through the top and then cover that hole back up. But before, you had to go in through the side in like a half-inch space that was like three inches inside. It was a it was a pain. but um, So an upgrade to that was pretty cool to see. But So I'm sure those V1s will be losing support over time, I, I imagine. Is it like 3D printed? It's almost, it's like a hard plastic almost. No, they're metal. They're metal. Okay. You're talking about the actual pedal mechanics? Yeah, just the material. I mean, oh, they're metal. I can't tell what it is. It's, um, they're aluminum. I forgot um, how you make that outside. It's a textured uh, paint covering it, most likely. Yeah, they're, they're actually Let's a solid build. Yeah. Man, we have a ton of hardware. Let's keep rolling on new stuff. Uh, Brian. AMD has new Ryzen chip. 
Yeah, so uh, they're starting to get um, some of the websites are starting to show these uh, AMD Ryzen chips set out. Um, so uh, that they're just about ready to be ordered. Um, I know we had a review on them recently that said that they were they were really outperforming the uh, the AM or the um, in, uh, Intel. Intel chips. Yeah, the Intel chips are it's actually outperforming those. Um, so they're getting ready to be released. Uh, so um, you know, probably going to need a new upgrade on your motherboard in order to get this thing uh, in. But wow, it's a. Uh, I don't know if, if, in my opinion, I've I've had more, pr- I've heard of a lot more problems with the AMD chips with a lot of the iRacing stuff, especially I would say iRacing stuff with uh, with the VR stuff. The AMDs, for some reason, have had uh, notorious problems with the Reverb G2s. You know, they made a special cable just because the AMDs didn't work with it for a while. Um, so that was only, would be only my reservation about the AMDs is, is how well they are compatible with all the hardware that's out there. But other than that, um, as far as raw performance, man, uh, this chip has been really good. Yeah, I run the 7 in, in my system, and I haven't had a problem... But then again, I don't run VR uh, with the computer side of it, the, that chip. But I don't know. I, I am hearing now, and I got to learn more about it, What what's better for iRacing. And we're hearing Intel and, and NVIDIA for, for iRacing, but I run the AMD stuff. So I got I got to know, because especially when I bump up, do I want to switch to their side or do I want to keep going the AMD route? So do my research. Well, kind of what I wanted to talk about on this was try to, you know, talk about the the naming of these chips i mean the one that they keep talking about is the x3d and there's going to be different versions of the x3d uh there'll be the 5800 the 7800 um and apparently the 7800 x3d is going to be the one to get you know the way i'm going to look at this is i'm going to wait until we see on the forums what what the community says about it is it better than intel yes or no and and then that'll be the the benchmark going forward. Uh, from the way this thread reads, I think people are hopeful that this is going to be way better than the current best. Like how much? You know, as need- far as raw gigahertz, you know, five point eight gigahertz, you know, six point one gigahertz, you know, whatever it is. What does iRacing actually need for you to run? Like, do you need the best chip on planet Earth to run iRacing? My understanding is we're chip limited or CPU limited, not graphics card limited most of the time. So you buy a really nice, you know, 4080, the new 4080, you have the best, or 4090, the best card on the planet. You, you know, that's not your limit. You know, your limit is your CPU. Let's keep going. Donnie, a new equipment from, well, maybe from Thrustmaster. So Thrustmaster uh, put out a tease a couple days ago of what they're coming out with, the, uh, their new DD. So Thrustmaster announced on Twitter a full reveal of their uh, PC Direct direct drive uh, base on November 17th at 4 p.m. CET, whatever that is, wherever that's at, on their t- Twitch channel. So tune in to their Twitch channel for their direct drive um, announcement. I was reading through the... Um, the replies on this one and not a lot of positive. Well, I guess there's positive, but a lot of people questioning the timing of it, if it'll be ready for the holiday season and whatnot. But, but it's weird that they announced their direct drive. And then we get that other announcement a couple days ago. 
You saw what I replied to him, right? No, what'd you say? I, I may have. Uh, let me see if I can find it. It says, I replied, this is the most drawn out, most ill-conceived marketing campaign I have ever seen. And then I responded by, it probably means they're nowhere near ready. I'm curious what right. the price is going to be after the price we saw yesterday or the day before. Um, I wonder if they were waiting and they knew that that other company was going to come out with a price. They're like, let's just see what theirs is before we announce ours. Because, uh, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, it was November last year, Brian, they were teasing us with this. And we were having the same discussion about how, you know, every six to eight weeks, they put out some tease. Right. That's exactly right, Mike. I was just going to say they, they would put out like some tease about it. You know, it's got LED lights and then uh, stay tuned for the next drop. It's three months from now. <laughs> it was like, come on, you're just teasing these, giving little drabs every couple of months. And then, you know, with no end in sight. Well, um, so yeah, you're right. Um, so finally, maybe in November, you know, he's still got almost two months to go before they, I don't even know if it's going to be ready at that point. It said it's just going to be revealed. That's a reveal, right. Yeah, that could be just the specs, what it looks like, what it'll work with, you know, with no no end in sight as far as actually delivering it on shelves. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's, you're right. It's been one long drawn out process. Um, I almost rather than just been quiet this whole time and just, you know, deliver it within a short period of time. Uh, there's a response uh, a little bit further down 17th of um, November, and then I'll wait for the console DD in 2029. <laughs> well, it's kind of a running joke now. I mean, uh, you know, maybe the, the marketing people at Thrustmaster, you know, they're just dealing with what they, they've been given, you know, maybe it's out of their control. They thought it was coming out a year ago. It didn't, you know, they were marketing for it. It never happened. You know, here we are a year later. Wow. Now, are the two biggest sim racing peripherals in terms of sales volume, Thrustmaster and Logitech? I don't know. Like at making the most revenue because they're in box, they're in brick and mortar. They're, they're cheaper so they can sell more. Um, they're for an entry level. Uh, I would person. think so, but. I'm sure Fanatec's right there with them. I think Fanatec hits that mid, like you kind of know what sim racing is. I'm not strolling the Walmart shelves looking for, for Fanatec, but it just seems like these two companies have a disconnect a little bit in my mind, especially with how long out the, um, this process has been and, and what we saw yesterday. Yeah, to be the one of the two big companies, like you said, that has great distribution, they're pretty freaking late to the direct drive game. You know what I mean? Especially Thrustmaster. It's almost, do we need, do they need to have a direct drive? Do they need to be in that market at all? Cause they're doing just fine doing what they do. I mean, they make a fine uh, entry level wheel to get you going or some people like it. Some people don't want to leave it and, and they like the feel of them, but I don't know. Hey Brian, let's switch back to NVIDIA. <laughs> So uh, the announcement was made official this past week. I think it was Tuesday it came out that NVIDIA is uh, releasing their new um, graphics cards, the 4000 series, the um, 4080 and 4090. Um, 
And uh, the official date for release is going to be October 12th. So it's coming up pretty quick. Um, there was a couple good videos. Uh, Jay's, Jay's Two Cents YouTube video. He does a really good breakdown of, uh, of these cards and goes through some of the, uh, the specs of it and some of the pricing and all that stuff. So uh, that is a good video to watch if you want to get a lot of information on these, you know, very detailed, technical oriented oriented questions um some of the things that i took out of it was like uh one of the things that he mentioned was that how thick this card is uh, uh it's it's i think it's, it's going to be at least a four slot card so it's four, just yeah. massive yeah so that's a massive card some people i don't know if everybody's going to have room for them in their in their cases that's a big jump if you're coming up from a two slotter or, or something like that but so yeah so uh these are coming out really soon and uh we'll see how the how how it uh how it goes when these things hit the market like i said when the 3000 series hit it was uh it was just a, a just a crazy, crazy release. There was all kinds of problems with it. All kinds of bots buying them up. Um, Pulled the out. Prices. The prices just. The 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 um the retail prices suggested retail price was like triple immediately of what it was uh what they were listing at. You know, so they teased them at these prices. I, I can't remember what they were from the video, but I think the forty eighty was like around seven eight hundred dollars eight hundred dollars maybe, and like uh. But when when the three hundreds were three thousand series were released, you know the list price that they listed for those was nowhere near what you could buy them for. Nowhere near. So it'll be interesting to see how this happens. It's going to be fun to watch. So there's basically three: the forty ninety at fifteen hundred, the forty eighty with sixteen gigabyte RAM at twelve hundred. And then um, the same 4080 with less RAM, 12, I think, uh, for 300 less at 900. So 1500, 1200, or 900. Now, Jay's two cents video and some other videos I, I, I watched basically are saying, you know, the one with the lesser RAM is basically shouldn't be called a, a 4080 it should really be a 4070 or something like that and so people are giving nvidia a hard time about that um you know the way that they're naming these things like when you go to buy a 4080 off the shelf you don't even have all the specs on the box and he said there's a difference in uh what do they call it kudia core um which is some kind of measurement of how fast the it processes. Uh, there's different cores in the different models of the th a 4080. Um, they're not the same, even though you there's nothing in the marketing or on the box that you would think uh, to, to let you know that they wouldn't be the same. You would just assume they are, but apparently they're not. So do your research if you're getting the 4080. Uh, go with the $1,200 one, not the $900 one, was what I was hearing it's worth that difference um extra 300 but uh hey if you're spending 1200 might as well spend 1500 and and get the 3090 the 4090 yeah um that's a good point mike mark uh, mike because um those things if you're just if you're just searching 4080 you know you're going to see these price differences and you might not 
get into the details of why one's so much cheaper than the other others you know so uh, that's a good point um another thing that i saw from his video was and i and I, again it's beyond my ability to uh explain technically or understand probably technically but um he said that there's room for a, a, a basically a 4090 ti that they have these these cards have the capability of a higher performance than even what they're releasing so uh he expects to see a, a ti version of the 4090 coming out at some point so uh that's that's uh that's another thing that uh you might be looking forward sometime in the future yep man can you imagine a, i was just starting to think this week about maybe it's time to start planning a build get a 4090 get this new uh x3d amd chip you know, uh, and go to town with it, you know? Wow. I mean, we're talking four grand or something now for a computer. Just wait for the five series to come out and then, then you'll get your 4090. Yeah. But then we'll want the five series. I'm usually a series behind. Cause I, I don't know. It's weird, but once I get the rig going and it's where I want it to be, then maybe I'll work on the next computer, but I don't know. I'm usually a series or two behind when it comes to that, just price-wise. And I really do nothing on this computer other than iRacing. I might cut some corn, and I might shoot a deer. That's it. All right, you said so... corn, right? <laughs> With a yeah. C? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just checking. Uh, now, there's one more story I want to hit. Now, I don't see it on the script. I don't know what happened, but Logitech announced their direct drive wheel uh it's called the g pro and it's a thousand dollars it includes the wheel it does have a quick release and it comes off there's only one wheel available there's not other wheels but that probably means there might be wheels available in the future logitech did not say one way or the other but uh yeah uh it's got 11 newton meters of force um it's big it's plastic. Uh, Will Ford from Boosted Media said it's not flat on the bottom. It's got like two little pads, which really help it when they clamp it to a desk, but the little pads don't remove, which makes it a little more challenging to mount it proper on a rig. It kind of sits tall and at an angle. I don't think you can do anything about the angle much, but... Uh, I noticed I would have to move my center monitor back and up a little bit if I was to use that particular base because of the size of it. Uh, the overall wheel looked pretty good. The wheel, the buttons, the layout, it was kind of round with a flat on the bottom. Uh, wheel Ford really was hoping they would do a, a fully round wheel if they're only going to give one, uh, you know, for rally purposes and that kind of thing. But overall, um, you know, it was a fairly good review. You know, I talked, uh, I had uh, some chatting on the face on some of the Facebook groups about this product with some other drivers and talking about price point. And I think we came to a consensus that this thing is overpriced by about $400. Yeah, we talked about it quite a bit in our, our own little group chat yesterday, but um, I watched the pedal review. And after watching the pedal review, I watched um, Boosted Media's as well for the pedal review. And it, did, did you guys watch the pedal before I go any further? I did. Okay. I was listening to it uh, while driving, so I actually didn't get to visually see it yesterday. 
Did he say that it cannot mount to anything? He had trouble mounting it, something along those lines. So yeah. it's almost like it's a direct drive targeted for almost console players. It's going to mount to a desk. It's not going to mount to a chassis. Just for the, the things you're talking about for the direct drive and how it's, it's weird, doesn't really sit flat in the pedals itself. I'll have to go back and watch it because that's what I thought I heard him say. And so it almost seems like it sits flat on the floor for a load cell. Was it a load cell? Yeah, it's just like set on the carpet kind of thing, you know. That's um, weird. And those were what, 400? Yeah, so those were, yeah, additional costs beyond the thousand for the wheel. So fourteen hundred to get yourself a wheel and a set of pedals with this new Logitech. I, it's, I don't know. I mean, some other people in the Facebook group are saying it's not that bad a price because, you know, if you got a CSL DD, and you got you know a nice wheel to go with it and the booster pack, that's a roughly adds up to a thousand too. The CSL DD and the the Mosid uh, Mini. I mean, they're small. They're not these big. I mean, that Logitech one was almost the size of a, a DD1, DD2. Taller, almost, yeah, and wider. Maybe not as deep, but yeah. It, it had an interesting airflow. Like it had a fan uh, suck in on the front and it blew out the back, apparently. He, uh, you hook the pedals to it with like regular USB A cables. And I think Will was saying, man, for this kind of price for a pro piece of equipment, man, we need, give us USB-C, you know? Yeah, it's just, just very strange. Um, and then he said it's not going to be in brick-and-mortar stores like most Logitech stuff is. You can, you can find it uh, pretty easily. So I don't know who's going to seek this out. Uh, maybe it'll hit a different kind of industry where um, it's going to be sold in mass to, I don't know. I don't know. Well... You know, I'm trying to think of, you know, who's going to buy this product, you know. People that listen to this podcast, I don't think are going to buy this product. No. <laughs> I think uh, people getting into the game the first time, you know, and uh, they've heard about iRacing or a set of Corsa, and they're trying to get some equipment going, and, and maybe money's not an object. And like you said, they walk into a Walmart or a Target, and there it sits. Yeah, that's the that's the target, I think. Yeah, it's interesting. We'll see. Because what were the new consoles? Five hundred bucks. No, that the last generation came out with. So now your peripherals have got to be more, I guess. But um, yeah, very strange. Um, I don't know if the SimuCube Pro is the best wheel on the market. A lot of people think so, but that's twelve to thirteen hundred dollars when it's all said and done. Um, so. Let's jump on to results. The NASCAR iRacing Series. Let's finish up Bristol Friday Open. I got a P9. I got caught up in a few different incidents. I had four minutes damage. At one point was doing repairs. The car turned off and it literally would not turn back on. I had to get out of the car and back in to get it to start. And then I didn't beat the pace car off and I had a penalty the pit under green for a 20 second hold. Now, three laps down, I just soldiered on. Amazingly, that was still a top 10 with attrition. I ended up getting the ninth. All right, Steven Llewellyn was wrecked out. Tony Rochette, wrecked out. 
got a little greedy and doored and walled myself while trying to take the lead. Just parked it with 15 minutes required. Yeah, it looks like David Hall finished P21. He wrecked out on purpose, or he was wrecked out on purpose by a lap car. Uh, just because I and another were fighting for a lucky dog. Also suspect the 50 seconds of optional I got. Avoid an early wreck, but hurt the long run. I blew out a tire and that doesn't usually happen. Blew a tire, wow. <laughs> All right, Sunday open, uh, Tony Rochette, P4. Man had another rocket ship on long runs. Did a green flag stop with 60 to go in third and ended up getting screwed once again as a caution came out while I was still three laps down. Did end up finishing one lap down. Looks like David Hall was wrecked. He said net code. And then Sunday fixed, I got a DNF. I actually got involved in the second caution on lap 13. I plowed into some guys that were running along the wall. Um, I got jostled around good, decided not to even pit to look for damage and keep that track position. I was P14. Uh, 63 laps later, I finally did get tires. Uh, only 14 seconds damage, restarted P15. 22 lap run to the next caution, I got up to seventh. With about 100 laps down, I have fresh tires. Um, they started coming up through there and I net coated the guy on the outside. We were about a foot apart. I showed the video to the team. I mean, Greg said I drifted up just enough for the net code to happen. But I was marching through there. They had old tires, I had new, and I was just being a little too aggressive, I think, but yikes. All right, let's move on to Texas, Wednesday Open. Yeah, it looks like uh, uh, David wrecked out on his own. Said he had decent mid-pack speed, but he made a bad adjustment, made the car too loose uh, to manage. Yeah, and I was the only one to finish Kyle, Tom, and Steven all wrecked out. And uh, I got a P16. Pretty much ran P22 the whole race. There were no cautions. On uh, the second green flag stop, immediately after I finished taking tires, the yellow flag came out. I was running 17th at the time. That put me back to 25th. Um, going on to the end of the race, I was up to 17th. We get a late caution with a green-white checker. I restarted 16th, ended 16th. I ran today, Thursday open, P19. Ran around 10th for the good part of the race at the beginning, but then got doored by some lap cars, uh, mixing it up with the leaders. Got spun way down to the inside on the pit road. So I had the extra penalty of uh, unsafe pit road entrance or whatever. Uh, so I ended up two laps down. I eventually got a wave around and just brought it home after that, P19. Moving on to other official, I ran F2000 at Outland Park. Car number 11 out of 11, top split. I qualified P3. I was running P5 uh, after the start, about lap five, uh, P4 went off the grass. I went to go around him into the next corner and I was just a hair slow, and he ran over the back of me, dumping me down to the inside wall, took off the whole front clip. My only start of the week, I, I wrecked it. How about A Open, Donnie? Yeah, so it was my first uh, A Open, and that was for Bristol last week. I hadn't rent, uh, driven one before, uh, but I qualified seventh, finished uh, P6. Uh, the set we had last week, for, for me at least, for Bristol, had great long run speed on the 70 lap average, utilizing stint analyzer for the one of the first times I, I had 
was able to see that at the third best speed across that long run we had. Uh, but Bristol was good. I haven't been able to race since Friday night. Uh, so hopefully tonight I get into my B car and then I'm racing NIS with you guys uh, tomorrow night at Texas. Got to work on one of those sets. I'm not comfortable at Texas. I tell you what, I just feel like I'm on the verge of wrecking coming out of every corner. It's tough. It's got a weird turn one too. Like you just got, well, after you get, you know, the rhythm down, it's not too bad. But when you first go into turn one, it just looks weird because it's so big. All right, let's jump on to final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. Well, I'm uh, happy to say that I got my uh, my problems figured out with iRacing. Um, I do want to do wanna acknowledge that uh, I reached out to iRacing technical support and they were very helpful. They responded to my messages a couple times over and I finally got everything squared away. <clears throat> also want to thank uh, Steve Thompson from the OBRL league reached out to me personally and said, Hey man, I'm willing to help you out and try to figure this thing out with you and, uh, had some thoughts of his own, but, um, I actually got it working right before I had a chance to, uh, to get back to him, but I still called him and talked to him and, uh, told him about it, how everything went. And he's really, he was really supportive, really helpful, just really a great guy. So I really appreciate that help. So it turned out to be a, after all this, you know, dumping my, uh, dumping my uh, windows, reinstalling iRacing, reinstalling windows. It turned out that it was a problem with my modem. When I, I had to do a factory, I did a factory reset on my uh, hotspot modem. And what, what do you know, it started working, which is so weird because everything else worked just perfectly normal. All, all my other games, my kids' games work fine. Streaming works fine. Everything worked fine. But for whatever reason that uh, resetting my hotspot fixed iRacing. So um, now I have to, now I'm going to have to spend about three, four weeks reinstalling all, everything and, and, you know, redoing all my settings and all that stuff. But I'm really looking forward to getting, uh, getting it all done and get back to racing. I want to try to get back into an OBRL race this Monday night um, in the ARCA series and uh, go from there and, and hit some NIS late series stuff. Oh, congratulations on finding the the problem, man! That was elusive there for a while. So I'm, you know, it is very good news that you found it. Yeah, thank you. I'm really, really. It's such a relief, you know, knowing knowing how much you put in all this stuff, and just to think there might be some kind of issue that I can't figure out why it's not working. So, um. You know, I tried. I tried four different suggestions for my racing. I've sent. I sent them um, files from uh, my log files and stuff, so they could examine it, and see what was going on. They, they they just kept going from one thing to the next. And uh, the last thing they'd asked me was uh, try to reset my modem. And damn it, that didn't work. They've done this before. <laughs> All right, Donnie Spiker, final thoughts. Yeah, not much. Uh, just that one race this week. Hopefully I can race a little bit more. Life uh, got busy again this week, like it always seems to do. It's going to be picking up here pretty soon uh, with the holiday season. Uh, but I was monitoring our group chat while we were talking, and it sounds like, uh, according to David, that we got a uh, reference sale through SimCoaches. So that was cool to see. Yeah, I mean, SimCoach has been a great sponsor for us. What a partner. We love talking great hardware. and. Uh, Man, that's what they do. All right, Greg Hector's final thoughts. Uh, just uh, excited to uh, 
get going here in a race in a couple minutes at uh, Laguna Sega in the uh, KCE Racing League. Um, I uh, stepped away there. I don't know if you guys covered it. I kind of had a, a an interesting week last week in the KCE League race. I won. I won both the heat and the main event. Led all the laps in both the heat and the main event, and I also did the fastest lap um, and sat on the pole for both races. So it's kind of I, I don't think I've ever done that in my iRacing career on anything in it and uh, it was quite a, a feat it felt like to me is that the grand shalem i guess that's what it would be right yeah too too bad your car failed post-race tech that's that's too bad Ooh. and it was all it was Ouch. all thrown out that's too bad well if you talk to the guys they're uh they're trying to create another greg hectus rule and i don't know what this is going to be this time i'm, I'm no greg hectus that's, that's like yeah they, they call that the uh uh the old bastards league <laughs> all right we'll go get them tonight yeah uh okay my final thoughts uh texas is tough and i'm just not a fan of this track they're bulldozing it right that's what i heard i think they're gonna reconfigure it something yeah i'm ready for that in fact Somebody kept mentioning the old Texas this week, and I was thinking about old Texas, and you know what? That was a lot funner to race. I mean, the way that people would come off two and spin down to the inside and slam that inside wall uh, in the old, you know, Gen 6 car, that's what I remember. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to a different Texas track. Uh, but you know what? Talladega is coming. Talladega, right? That's my bread and butter, and uh, can't wait. Is that already next week or is that after the Roval? No, Talladega next week and then the Roval after. So Mike's bread and butter is on to my bread and butter. That's right. Bread and butter. Let's go get that win. I don't have enough this year. I, I felt like I really didn't get it done at Daytona like I should have uh, for the Daytona summer race. And so, man, I got to get this Talladega win. So, hey, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.